0: chapter number 1 uh j- j- this morning we've been talking about uh the foundation of the word of god now we're going to talk about the foundation of the gospel and then John's going to come up after I'm done and we're going to talk about the foundation of sound words you, when you begin when uh, you got Romans 1 1 Corinthians chapter 3 hold on to Romans 1 and if you're most of you guys are here, you know, we're going to end up going to a couple more other passages before ever getting to Romans 1. But just stick into it. Romans 1, if you look at 1 Corinthians 3, when the Apostle Paul in verse 9, 10, and 11, Dad talked about last night, began to talk about, as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another buildeth on. The foundation, verse 11, is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that? So when we lay the foundation here, you, you've got the living word In the Lord Jesus Christ, last night, you've got the written word this morning. And the living word and the written word, you run the comparisons in that study, and they do the same thing. Save you, condemn you, free you, you know, and so forth. So, that's this morning, Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, is kind of the verse we're going to start with and we're going to end with, and we're going to go quickly just because of the clock, but we're going to cover the information, okay? Romans 1, verse 16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for the folks that have come, willing to sit and study and listen and consume your word and have it... Eat them and be a part of their lives. And we'll just thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. When when you you see that issue there where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel is a wonderful thing. That word gospel, good news. And the gospel of Christ has a couple sides to it. We're going to look at it this morning. Come over with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start in Ephesians 2, and then we're going to go back to Romans because what I'm going to do this with you this morning is give you a foundational overview of the book of Romans. And I'm going to do it in hopefully in a manner you'll hope I'm hoping this is what I'm going to do, okay? <laughs> but when we do this, so that you understand, when you lay in that foundation, that foundation can't have cracks in it. It has to be solid. That's why we started last night with the living word and then the written word. We're talking here about Paul. Think, think about this, you've been reading your Bible, you've read 44 books about Israel. You come to the 45th book, the first word in that book is Paul. What? Who's this guy? And oh, by the way, it's written to the Romans, our archenemy. Talking about earth shattering. You don't have, I mean, shake you up real quick. So now you got to now, now we have to rightly divide. So Romans is a foundational book. It's not written first, but it sits first because it's going to lay in some things, okay? Ephesians 1, verse 19 and 20. Dad read this verse, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Dad went over this verse last night. Ephesians 2. I just want you to look at the end of verse 20 with me. Jesus Christ Himself being the what? The chief cornerstone. So, there's the Lord Jesus Christ. What is he? He's the chief cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. I I, I, uh, went and looked and so forth. And when a building goes up and a foundation gets laid, the cornerstone is very critical to the building. It is said to literally be a stone at the corner of a building. It's, it's, it's an important stone because it allows the, 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 the basics of everything else to go and to move. I can remember back when the Sears Tower in Chicago, it's the Willis Tower now, you know. What you saying, Willis? <laughs> okay, you know, the Willis Tower. You know that show would be politically incorrect today? I don't know if you ever thought about some of them old shows that we love and enjoy and watch, but they would politically be incorrect today. Anyway, they, that when they built the foundation of the Sears Tower, they went down 100 feet. Okay, Then they began to build in 200 circular caissons, which are cement cylinder blocks. You ever go over an overpass and you see the big pillars? Those are caissons. When I worked in the water truck job, we were out in the West Valley out there. And I worked with these guys who put these caissons down, they go down another 100 feet to bedrock. And then you know what they if they don't get bedrock at 100 feet, they keep going. Because they're looking for bedrock. Why? Solid foundation. You and I, we have that. The foundation starts with the cornerstone. It's an interesting thing. It's literally a stone at the corner of a building. It's an important stone. All of the building starts there. It's a, it's a stone that uh, it, it's on the found, it, it's called a foundation stone, it's called a setting stone. It's the first stone set in the building process. All of the stone, all the other stones in the masonry wall, all the other building, is going to be in reference to that stone. Christ is our cornerstone. He's the chief cornerstone. I'm going to show you something about that here as we go. By the way, when a building goes up, the community would come, and they would have a big celebration with the setting end of the cornerstone. Who do we celebrate? The Lord Jesus Christ. When he gets set, think about the first time you heard the gospel of your salvation. It's an exciting day. Excitement. Thrilled. Wow! The cornerstone was set in your life. And when you come to the Apostle Paul, he sets that That cornerstone is set. We saw that last night. Israel's got a piece of him. We have a piece of it. But when you come into you and I, that cornerstone is critical. Now, come back to the book of Romans. Because Romans lays in, we don't have 200 caissons, (laughs) pillars. We we have four. And I just want to remind you of them. Because with this foundation gets laid in, there, there is to be no cracks in it, okay? Because we're going to build on it. And when you begin to build on it, my house settles. So it settles. So guess what I have in my foundation now? A crack. And you know what comes up to cracks? Termites. Stinking termites. You know, you get the guy out there, he does this thing. Guess what comes back a few months later? termites. You know, it's just ridiculous. But how did the, and they're on the inner wall. How did they get there? Through the crack. Satan, in our studies on Sunday morning, we've been talking about the satanic policy of evil and he comes up there and you see it in Israel and they beat against the bulwark. They beat against the wall. Satan does that. He uses the new Bibles to beat on your wall. Paul talk, or. John talking about the Word of God. He comes, he, what's he looking for? A crack. We don't want a crack. So we have to have that. And I just want to remind you the next half hour here or so, or an hour, or whatever, okay, about that. When you come to the book of Romans, it sits as the head of Paul's epistles because of what it contains in it. Again, 44 books. By the way, what makes up the number 45? Have you ever thought about that? Five times what? Nine. You know what five is, the number in your Bible? Death. Do you know what nine is? Fruit bearing. It caused death to Israel's program to bring fruit to the Gentiles. And where does it start? 45th book, right on Paul. Okay? You can play with that a little bit. It works. But the thing is, is when Paul goes in and he says, I, could you, I just can imagine, here's Paul writing. By the way, Dad says by the way a lot. I picked that back up. Come over with me to Acts 20. Acts chapter 20. We were at a... Acts chapter 20. Just I want you to notice a verse here. When Paul writes to the saints that are at Rome... This is not the first time he's been preaching this information. Okay? You got Acts 20? Look at 26 real quick. Acts 26. He, you start in verse 13, Paul's recounting for King Agrippa the Acts 9 conversion. Down in verse seventeen, verse 16. But rise and stand up. Acts 26, 16. Stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a great minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen. By the way, what did he see? He saw 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, didn't he? He saw that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day, didn't he? There he sits. Paul Paul saw him, believed him, heard his gospel, trusted him, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. So there's some more things he saw, by the way, because look at the next verse. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. You know what he learned? Not only did he learn my gospel, he learned my commission. I'm going to the Gentiles. Verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. How do you turn people from darkness to light? You give them the gospel. He knew the gospel, folks, right then there in Acts 9 on that road. He got it. Trusted it. And from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins. Again, how do you know you got forgiveness of sins? Calvary. And, uh, don't miss that and. And an inheritance among them. How in the world? He understood his inheritance right then on the road. If he's going to go preach it to people, he's got to have it, doesn't he? So what did he start doing? He started preaching my gospel and some other information. Now come to Acts 20. He pulls the Ephesian elders over to Malik and meets with them. At the end there, in verse... Twenty, Acts nine, Acts twenty twenty, and he says, "And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you." Isn't that interesting? Paul says, "Guys, when I was down there, I laid it all out for you. I kept nothing back." So when you come to the book of Romans, it sits first because of the doctrine that God had Paul write down. He's been preaching this since day one. Here it is, first pillar first 5 chapters of the book of Romans chapters 1 to 5 go back to Romans talks about our justification come back over the issue the focus of the first 5 the first pillar this is pillar number 1 the first pillar chapter 1 verse 17 for therein is the righteousness of god revealed from faith to faith as it is written the who the just Just, justify, justifier, it's all going to focus in on, come over to chapter 2, verse 13, quickly, we're going to run quick, okay, by the way, we're not leaving the book of Romans, maybe, okay, but just know, look right, 2.13, look at this, parenthesis, for not the hearers of the law are what, just before God, but the doers of the law shall be what, justified boy could you imagine you've been reading your old testament you've been reading israel's program and all of a sudden he's talking about a bunch of dumb thump ugly uncircumcised gentiles getting justified chapter three chapter three verse 20 therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be boy we got new language on the board don't we we got new terminology Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, that he might be be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, verse 26 there, that is the key verse of the book of Romans. And I'll even say it's the key verse of all of Paul's epistles. Because what is he? He's the justifier of all them that believe. He is the cornerstone. Key word here, justified. Chapter 4, verse 2. Chapter 4, for if Abraham were justified by works, he have whereof of glory, but not before God. Verse 25, 425, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification verse 1 chapter 5 therefore being justified do you get the idea we're going to talk about you being justified because what happens when you learn that you need to be justified you learn this little thing about sin don't you you're a sinner you're in trouble and you need a savior don't you you need a redeemer you need to be justified verse 9 5 9 much more than being now justified by his blood. Well, how do we get justified? Chapter 4, verse 5, what do we do? But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. We believed the gospel, didn't we? Don't walk an aisle, don't join the church, don't do any of the religious hokey-pokey. We just, by the way, the guy that wrote that song, the hokey-pokey, he died the other day. Well, then they tried to put him in the coffin, and one leg went in and he shook it all about. So did he really die? That's the question. Oh, that was bad? Okay, all right. Hey, I, I get them every now and then, okay. All right, you, you think about that, okay? Well, you heard, you heard about the guy that he died that created the, that made the USB port, you know, the, the port, he died. And when they went to put his grave in, his coffin in the grave, they had to flip it around a couple times, to get it to fit. <laughs> All right. Moving right along. Verse 16. Hey, I didn't say they were good, you know. All right, I got friends in low places. So, verse 16, chapter 5, verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so it is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto. Boy, the first theme, man, we need to have justification. Folks, we're dead in our sin aren't we we need to be justified we need to have a new identity so what happens in chapter 6 through 8 what are we talking about identification sanctification here we are isn't that interesting we learn we're dead we learn we're you're a sinner you're ungodly you're unprofitable you, got, you need to be in Him. Here, here He is. Here's your just and justifier. And you know what He gives you? He gives you life, doesn't He? Look over in chapter 6. Chapter 6. Verse number 6. Knowing this. Here's how God looks at you in Christ. That our old man is crucified with him. That the, sin, that the body of sin one day will be destroyed. Oh, might be destroyed. Brother Chestnut says every word matters might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed, past tense on that word, from sin. The focus in this section is going to be life and that identity. This is pillar two. He's laying in that foundation. By the way, do you notice a common theme so far? That cornerstone, isn't it? He sits right in the middle of it. And off he goes. Usually they put the cornerstone in the corner so you can write the date on it and all that good stuff and put time capsule in there. Not in scripture. You know why? It's not I, but Christ. He's the heart of the matter. He's the heart of everything. You're in chapter six. Look back at verse three. Know ye not that so many of you of us as were baptized into who? Jesus Jesus Christ. Verse 4 Know ye not. Therefore, buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up. Oh, there he is. He's right there. And you know what you find out? You're dead to sin. There, verse 6, verse 7, verse 8. Watch verse verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves. Hey, we see what Christ did at Calvary, don't we? We see it, we study it, we, we know ye not it, don't we? <laughs> we get to know it, we get it in there. And he says, now you got all that? That's you. That's your identity. That's who you are. You're going to mess up because he left us here and we got this body that the lust of the flesh wars against the spirit and they don't get it, you know, and so forth. Galatians 5. But he says, your identity how he looks at you as freed from that mess. You choose to serve that mess. Here he But it sits right here off of who you are in him. Come over to chapter 7. Not only are you dead to sin, likewise reckon you also to be dead indeed unto sin, verse 611, I'm sorry, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey, we're to count ourselves to be dead and we're to live in life, aren't we? That's where we're to be. Chapter 7. I, seven chapter 7 is a wonderful chapter. I know people kind of fret of it. Chapter 7 and chapter 11 of Romans are fantastic if you just... We don't use the S word, but I'm going... Shut up and read. And don't try to dig in. Just let the passage read to you. That stuff in chapter 11 about being grafted in, grafted out. Hey, guys, get all twisted up. They don't know if they're coming or going. But if you just read... He tells you what he's talking about. It's just like Dad said last night about the book defining itself. Just read. The lazy man goes over and looks. (laughs) Read. Anyway. 7-2. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he, what, liveth. But if the husband be, what, dead, she's loosed from the law of her husband. So there's a death and life thing thing going on here isn't there verse 4 wherefore my brethren ye also are become dead to the law how? by the body of Christ he pulls that illustration there of life and death and you're you're under the law until death happens but notice that verse verse 4 ye are become He made you righteous, didn't he? You were this, now he made you that. You've become this. So you're free of the law. Verse 6, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Again, we were here, now we're here. Come over to chapter 8 chapter 8 verse 2 chapter 8 2 for the law of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin of death the whole focus on this pillar is life. you were dead now you got life. you were here now you're here because of Calvary because of our cornerstone. you with me? all right next next pillar pillar. Number three, we're going to drop that one down here, pillar number three, chapters 9 through 11, dealing with dispensationally with the issue of Israel and what's going on with Israel today. And I'll be honest with you, who better than the Apostle Paul to tell you what's going on with Israel? Philippians 3 over there, who was he? He's a Pharisee of the Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, he knew his stuff. Galatians 1, he was brought up in the Jews' religion. So who better to tell you the condition of Israel than him? He's there. You come in chapter 9, and what we begin to learn is we are not Israel. We are the what? The body of Christ. Chapter 9, verse number 4. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Who are the fathers and of whom is concerning concerning the flesh? Christ came, who is over all. God bless forever. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, if you don't understand right division and dispensational Bible study, you'll break your full spiritual neck on that passage right there. Because you're going to think this is you now. Paul begins to lay out, no, it's not. Chapter 10. Well, chapter 9. Look at the end of chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 31. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained the law of righteousness. Wherefore, what happened to them? Why? Because they sought it not by faith but as it were by the works of the law for they stumbled at that stumbling stone as it is written and off he goes chapter 9 the past history of israel you know why they stumbled they weren't operating by faith they weren't looking to their cornerstone and the earthly ministry of christ they missed him tripped over him stubbed their big toe then you come to chapter 10, look at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. How, how is Israel saved today? We got to go back to Pillar 1, don't we? We got to get them dead. We got to get them a sinner. We got to prove the case at all, chapter 3 of Romans verse 9, all are sinners. Prove the point. They need to hear, they need to get saved, don't they? The answer is yes. For the folks on the internet, they are shaking their heads, okay? (laughs) All right? That's where they got to go. Chapter 11. And I'm cutting verses out, by the way. I hope you know. I got eight pages up here, but we're cutting them down. Chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? Chapter 9, here's their past. Chapter 10, their present condition. They need a preacher. They need someone to go down there and preach the gospel to them. They need to be trusting Christ as you and I trust Christ. It's one gospel. It's one, and one message to them. Then he says in chapter 11, here's their future. Here's, here, did God really cast away his people? Did he really just stop their program completely cast away? Is someone gone? What's the answer? God forbid. He's not done with them yet. So he begins to talk to you and I about that. Verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened. Notice how he starts it as castaway. Did he forsake them? Did he let them go to nothing? And then Paul corrects that and says their blindness is in part. Isn't that interesting? He corrects the naysayer of the question in verse 1. Verse 26, And so all Israel shall be future tense. Israel's dead. They need life. The last pillar, number 4, chapters 12 to 16. That's where you get your app. We're talking about applications, applications. You can't do anything today without an app. Ricky got me a new computer for Christmas a couple years ago, and I'm trying to look for a website, and the computer says, no, dummy, we want the app. I'm like, download the app? (laughs) Well, here, dummy, here's the app, 12 to 16. Here's the application of it. Here, we're gonna take what we've learned in pillar two, and we're gonna go put it in life we're going to go put it into the details of life. And while the focus here in this pillar is really come over to chapter 12, just 1 verse 1 and verse 1 and 2. Here in this section, it's to understand how to go and work out that identification doctrine that we've learned in, chap- in Pillar 2? How do I know that I'm living my life in the identity of who I am in Christ? How do I know that? Well, what does he say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Based upon 11 chapters, based upon the previous three pillars whose center cornerstone sits on the Lord Jesus Christ that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wait a minute I thought I was dead but now I'm what alive I'm dead to that old man that old identity but I'm alive to this new one present, present yourselves a living sacrifice by the way you know what happens to a living sacrifice it Likes to crawl off the altar <laughs> get off Oh, man, okay, okay. Holy, ho- holy, acceptable unto God. You know, before Calvary, you were not acceptable. You were an enemy. You were ungodly. You're without hope. Now, because of Calvary, you're what? Acceptable. Which is, Unto God, which is your reasonable service. I love that, reasonable Not unreasonable. He looks at Israel and says, "Come, let's reason together. Let's think this through, Israel. Let's think this through, member of the body of Christ. We all have different lives. We all live different lifestyles. We all—I mean, you know—some of you need to catch on to the Alabama football stuff. But we're working on you. Yeah. Oh, look at front row up here. Okay. Yeah. You know. But some of you—you know—we all live. But we all have what in who in common? Christ. Reasonable service." And be not conformed to this world. Well, if you're doing a reasonable, you're thinking it through, what what quickly begins to go away? This world. The trappings of it. But be ye, I love that, transformed. I can't do the transformer thing, okay? Transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Over there in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, And the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. What are we doing? Day by day, we're renewing. Right through that foundation. Get out there with the foundation crack detectors. And get in there. All right, is it solid? Wait a second, come over to Philippians. I lied, We're leaving. we're leaving it here just for a minute. Look over at Philippians 3. You get over there with the foundation checker what are you doing you're checking you're checking we got the foundation we got all the pillars laid in what happens when you find a weak spot you got to go over there and fix it don't you when i was working on the water truck i learned a lot about asphalt and about this stuff you know control i don't know anything about it i couldn't tell you the terms i just know that the guys had put water here I put water there he goes that was too much water <laughs> oh you said put water you didn't say how much <laughs> so i really learned to put water here was a little water <laughs> you know you put too much you can't get rid of it you got to wait <laughs> these guys would come in and they would have the checkers for the asphalt and the asphalt layers would lay the and they'd come behind and they would check the density and they would core out and make sure the asphalt was right and legal and all the specs and all this stuff Well, what happens when you find a a weak spot? Well, look at Philippians 3. What would a mature person do? What would a mature believer do? What would someone who had their foundation, the book of Romans lays in the foundation, folks, and it centers on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every pillar touches him, and he touches every pillar. Philippians 3, verse 15. Let us, therefore... As many as be, what? Per, I t- I a few years, several years ago, I was studying through and uh, on the issue of correction. You know, the Word of God corrects us. We understand that. But I began to notice with Paul, when he dealt with the Corinthians, who were they? They were babies. What do you do with a baby when they're out of line? You spank them. Don't, yeah you whack them whack them old we'll be off of YouTube now because now we're whacking kids you know what do you your you rod of correction you, you, you discipline them you get in them corporal punishment boom but well, what do you do with a grown kid or an adult well yeah, same thing I, I don't know my kid's bigger than me i I duck what do you do you begin to have a conversation with them don't you you don't yell at them. You begin to talk to them. I can remember the first time my dad did that. He's sitting right there. Mom's sitting back there. Mom wanted my tail blistered and pinned on the wall. Dad says, you're too big. We gotta Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. And it began to click on me because I was looking at that issue of correction. And I'm going, you know, when the Lord got Israel, he got them. But when he comes to you and I through Paul... As we get to be perfect, a little more mature, he talks to us. Now the talking is a corrective language, but he doesn't corporal punish you. And that's to me that's fascinating. He does the reproof the same way. But look at what he says: Let us, as many as be perfect, be thus. What, man? You're going to use your mind. You got to think about this. And if in anything you be otherwise minded we got us a weak spot on our foundation somewhere in the building we're going to start building a, a, you know you're going to build with some sound words you're going to build a st- an edifice up here this house the habitation of the lord and you know what's going to happen you're going to find out that that stud doesn't exactly go straight it kind of does a little rick curve you know i told you guys last week i don't do construction i see i don't see in a straight line i see in the curve we're in the curve we're good we're straight we ain't good you know <laughs> I cut three times, measure once, and it don't work that way. Okay, both times, exactly. What does he say? Hey, thus be, thus minded. If you, if you got a problem, what's going to happen? God shall reveal even this unto you. How does God reveal it? you got to have that foundation on his word, don't you? You find a weak spot, what are you going to do? You're going to get in the book. You're going to have a little dispensational Bible study time with you, yourself, and I. And you're going to figure that, and you're going to learn. Now watch verse 16. Nevertheless, wherefore, where to we have already attained. Folks, do we have an issue in our gospel presentation? I hope you don't. If you do, every head bowed, every eye closed, just as the piano tickles the sound. Come, Lord Jesus, Come. Make him Lord of my life. See, all that's trouble. What do we have to do? What does the verse say? We gotta fix it, don't we? We gotta clean up our gospel presentation. It's not, a, it's not I, it's who? Christ. Follow do you follow that? Get through Well, if you just pray the sinner's prayer, you'll be good to go. Wait a second. That puts the onus on you praying the right sinner's prayer. By the way, if you Google it, there's a few of them out there. Okay? See, you, you, what are we going to do? We've got to fix that. How about living grace life? Now, to me, the grace life illustration is what we're talking about here. Because watch verse 16. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing we have a foundation we we find a little gap area you know what you do with the crack in the in the foundation cover it up with the board <laughs> no you get in there and you repair it don't you you get in there and you work on it and you get it back right what are you going to do you're going to get in there and hey i'm a little deficient in this area let's learn about it let's grow in it let's get the rule there let's maintain it i'm solid over here i know that but then maintain that. Don't let it slip. You follow that? That comes from having that foundation right there. Now come with me to Luke 6. Get Ephesians 4 and Luke 6. I'm going to illustrate this to you, and then we'll be done. Okay? Ephesians 4, Luke 6, Habakkuk 8, and Jeremiah 50. No, just kidding. (laughs) Luke 6 and Ephesians 4. Folks, the foundation of the gospel. By the way, while you're doing that, what sits at the head of everything that we're doing here? The cross, right? Your cross has two sides. It has the death side. But then it has the life side. Guess what these pillars sit? Death. Life. There they are. Israel had to understand that they were dead and they were dead in the sinners, and they needed, you had to learn the same thing. They got to know the same. You come over here and you learn that, hey, I got a new identity and I can go live my life in that identity. All because of Calvary. All because of the center stone. The cornerstone. There he sits. Why is all this important? Ephesians 4 we're just going to jump in and look at verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Well, if you're mature and you're kind of growing up a little bit, you're no more what? But notice how Paul qualifies what he's talking about. Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive you know what paul says you need to be on the right foundation you got the living word you got the written word you've got the book of romans the gospel the foundation of the gospel so that you won't be tossed to and fro you can say time out hang on a second i heard something that doesn't measure up let me get in the book and figure it out or call rick john dad (laughs) help you know that's okay Now look at Luke 6, the end of that chapter, Luke chapter 6, verse 47 through 49. And I do this because just as he is our cornerstone, our bedrock, he's the same for them, for Israel. That means he's the same across the board, as Dad was talking about last night. Look at verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings... Okay, they're hearing the what? The word of God. There he is. And doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. Now when they say do them, what do you think they're doing? Practicing Paul and the grace message or practicing the law and the kingdom message? Okay. He is like a man which build a house and dig it deep. And laid the foundation on a rock. By the way, who's the rock? Christ is. They're unmindful of the rock that begat thee, Deuteronomy says. When the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon not the rock, but a rock. There he sits. What are they doing? Same thing Paul tells you and I. Get the foundation, live on the foundation, don't leave the rock. He says the same thing to them. Verse 49 But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house oh, it was great. Now, prophetically, he's talking second coming, tribulation. I just want you to get the feel that, you know what, the center of everything is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the foundation of the gospel for you and I, that over quick overview of Romans, by the way, (laughs) okay? Where does it sit? Our death sits with him. Our life sits with him. And when the streams of life come up and beat vehemently on us, where should we be looking to? To our rock, the Lord who we are in Christ. Follow that? That's the foundation of the gospel. Christ died and was buried and rose again the third day. According to what? The scriptures. The word said it. The living word went and did it. Paul picks up and says, Hey, 45th book. Woohoo, here we are. Shock to the system. And he says the rock that they're talking about, he's now our rock, but in our message. Okay? Now the next step is the sound words thing comes in and begins to build. And John will talk about that here in a minute. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Calvary. Above all, we thank you for message of grace but we thank you that you went to calvary and died for our sins and then you gave us your life in that same event we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory in your name we pray amen